Howdy guys, I'm Aiden of Blue Couch Productions, and welcome to Aiden on Anchor. Aiden on Anchor is a podcast focusing on my life. I'll tell you a lot about myself and hopefully provide value through experience. This is episode 73 of the show, currently recording it on February 12th, 2021 at 11.18am, and no, I have not gone to bed yet because I actually woke up at 7 a.m. today. Can we get a poggers in the chat, guys? Can we get a poggers for Aiden actually fucking waking up on a normal time and not just like pretending to or trying to, but like actually waking up at 7 a.m. and feeling charged and refreshed and lively and happy? Let me tell you how this magical occurrence happened in my life. So, I mentioned last episode, uh, when I was working on the 30 for 30 finale, how I would get up at 6 p.m., uh, work on the video, then go to bed at like 6 a.m., and then the process would repeat. Horrible time. Not much anything exciting happening in life other than just editing the video, but I got it done. I got it finished. And because of doing all that, my sleep schedule is beyond fucked. And so I need to find a way to fix it, right? How am I going to do it? How am I going to get past this? And eventually... What I ended up doing is over the next couple of days, I would try to stay up just a little bit longer. So some days, no, I'd go to bed at 7 a.m. Some days, 9. Some days, 10. And then we hit that noon threshold, which is like a really big progress. Then 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, whatever, until finally I hit my magic sweet spot at 6 and 7 p.m. Wait, you went to bed at 6 and 7 p.m.? Yes. And you got up at 7 a.m.? Yes. Well, wait a minute, that's 12 hours. That's the point I'm getting at, ladies and gentlemen, because I know my sleep habits that if I am uninterrupted and get proper sleep with, you know, not not being too hot, not being too cold, just comfy enough, I will sleep for 12 hours. If I'm uninterrupted, sometimes, you know, people come poking pride, like, hey, wake the fuck up. But if I'm uninterrupted, 12 hours. Which sucks when you're trying to get on a sleep schedule because you think you're going to bed at a normal same time, but then 12 hours later after that, the whole thing's just fucked up. So I'm like, if I want to wake up at 6 or 7 a.m., then I need to be going to bed at 6 or 7 p.m. And you know what? If I don't hit that 12, sometimes I'll hit 10 or 11. That'll still be fine. It'll be dark out, but that'll still be fine. And so that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping 6 or 7 p.m., I get tired. Wake up at 6 or 7 a.m. Because I I stay awake for about 12 hours. 12 hours is when I start to feel tired. 12 hours is how long I normally sleep. They're both the same number. They both work out. It's wonderful. Speaking of which, we got to talk. Nobody told me how productive it is to, like, work in the morning. I've I've talked about this before on Aiden on Anchor, but I have, for the longest time, been the night owl of night owls. That's when I got my work done. Editing at night. Schoolwork at night. Get bitches at night. There are no bitches. Those are fake bitches. They're not real. But usually, all that would happen at night. Midnight even, you know? Because, you know, parents are asleep, whatever. But I found that, you know, waking up early in the morning, turns out it has its benefits as well. (gasps) And I will say, for certain things that are involved in a YouTube content creation life, it is actually better to do your work in the morning. And what do I mean by that? Well... For editing, I still think that works primarily best at night because, you know, yeah, people talking, people going to bed, all that sort of stuff. You get time editing so you can really focus in on that stuff. But for my situation in particular, 
when my parents go to sleep in the in the room directly across the hall, they got these two loud ass industrial fans. And I'm sure you've been able to hear sometimes on A9 Acre live streams. These two loud ass fans that are cranking all the time. Loud as hell. Can't record shit. The mics are going to pick it up regardless. So I can't do any of that. And then it's like, we'll do it in the afternoon. Can't do it in the afternoon when they're home. They're watching TV. Those fans are still on. I got a dog, Bo, sweetheart. Uh, but he'll he'll be riled up and shit. The morning is the only time of the day when it is quiet. And you want to know why that is? Because they got to go to work. And Aiden gets to stay at home. So, I'll get up. 7 a.m., right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not fully awake yet. Ooh, whatever. They're getting up at 7. And they'll be gone to work before 8 a.m. rolls around. Before 8 a.m. rolls around. Which gives me enough time to conveniently wake up. And then, from about... 8 a.m. all the way to like 3 or 4, silent. The dog is the only one here, and if he gets too loud, I'll let him outside. Maybe the garbage man comes occasionally. You know, that can be kind of loud. But otherwise, it is quiet, which means it is the perfect environment, not necessarily for editing, but for recording. Want to record a video? Peace and quiet. Want to do a podcast? Won't be interrupted. Want to do a live stream for four hours? Nobody's on the internet. Nobody's clogging it up. It's the perfect time to do so. And even if you do have a job, unlike myself, uh, I still think the early morning hours, like roughly from 5 to 7 before you have to go to work, can be some of the most productive times because if you do have a job, nobody wants to stay up till 2 a.m. or so because then you're just making your next day horrible. But if you go to bed at an early time so you can get ready for your job, but you get up like two or three hours earlier, power hours, bro. Nothing can fucking stop you. You get your work done, grab a little cup of joe, peace and quiet, nice and relaxed. I'm starting I'm starting to see that maybe all my years of being a night owl were in vain. Because past couple of days, I've just been able to, to you know, get some shit done. To, to feel productive, to feel worthwhile. Being a night owl might kind of actually be a little overrated. I don't, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Still very early on in the process. I'll let you know how that ends up happening. But that's been sort of my past couple of days, for sure. Can't believe that it's already February 12th. Uh, does, it, does this happen to you guys? Because I feel like for me, the first three or four months of the year are super quick. The last three or four months of the year are super quick, happen in an instant. That time, like from May to maybe like August, September, the longest fucking shit ever. The year will start super quick, it'll end super quick, that middle portion, those summer months, dear God, feels like each day is six months worth of time. And that's different for everybody, obviously, depending on what you do, but I feel like that's the period of time where, where it just feels like the year has extended its welcome, and it is firmly 2021, and I'm like, cool, you're here, great. I don't feel like it's 2021 yet, in February. I still feel like it's just 2020 part two, and that's partially due to world events, but it's also because like it takes me a longer time to register that a year has changed because it takes time for things around me to change. Um, and so once we kind of get into April, I'll finally feel like, okay, it's 2021. I, f- I feel it. I feel it's here. But how have my first couple of months been of the year? I will say been a very exciting time, been a very exciting time. 
New computer's been awesome. Been able to kick ass in some games and some programs and getting some optimizations that I so dearly needed. It worked even better with the graphics card, but we're not going to complain about it for the fifth episode in a row. It is still not fucking in stock. I'm using stock trackers now. I found a website called nowinstock.net where I like have warnings and automated trackers to tell me when a card is in stock because I'm not paying $400 for some scalper to throw it out. All I want is a GTX 1650 Super. If any of you are listening to this who are willing to sell it for $200 or so, contact me. You probably won't, but I'm just throwing it out there in the rare case that somebody who listens to Aiden on Anchor does not need that card and would be willing to sell it to me at a reasonable price. I'll give you a shout out, bro. I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. I'll give you a shout out on a YouTube video. I'll talk about how you're a hero on live stream. You'll make my year. You'll make my day because eBay has fucked me over. Best Buy has fucked me over. Newegg.com has fucked me over. And here I am saying I wouldn't complain about it. Now I'm already complaining about it. The point that I was trying to get at is the new computer's been awesome. Been very exciting. You know what else has been exciting? I have finally started to learn DaVinci Resolve. I know. I talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. But now we are seeing progress, ladies and gentlemen. I am downloading presets. I am managing progress. I am getting settings figured out. And I even finished editing a little lower third for myself. I know. I made a lower third. Yep. It's six seconds long and it took three hours because DaVinci Resolve is not just an editing program. Oh, no, no, no. There is an editing page for sure, but there's also a little After Effects style composition page called the Fusion page. And it works off of a node system where you have a media in node at the start, a media out node at the end, and then you got to fill in all these little nodes in the middle to add a bunch of different effects. It's kind of like connecting dots. So if media in is your first dot, you got to connect it to a series of a bunch of other dots to get the effect you want and then connect it at the very end to media out to get the desired result. So I was wanting to make a lower third, right? And I'm like, I'm going to put this shit together. I followed a tutorial, 16 minutes long. But of course, never used DaVinci Resolve before. So every little thing you would do, I'd be like, wait a minute, how the fuck you did that? Pause, go back 15 seconds, watch it again. Eye half open. Oh, that's cool. Still don't fucking get it. Pause the video, go back 15 seconds, put it in again, figure it out. Okay, now I get it. Wait, why is my DaVinci Resolve not doing that? And then, so you get a lot of troubleshooting. You get a lot of time spent not really like understanding anything, but it's a great learning experience. You know, when you waste a lot of time doing something and, and, and then your parents are like, oh, you didn't waste time. It was a learning experience. This was a learning experience for me. And the end result was nice. Probably won't even use it for anything at all. But it got me to learn the node system, which to my knowledge doesn't really you know, exists in After Effects and a bunch of other programs because uh, motion graphics stuff like that is just scary. Like, I understand editing. I don't understand motion graphics. I don't understand audio editing as well. There's a whole, like, Fairlight page that's strictly dedicated to audio stuff. I'm probably not even going to touch that shit. I'm going to be honest with you. If, if there's, like, audio presets that I could put on my voice to make it, like, sound better and some, like, EQ things I could do, fine. Nothing more complicated than that. And I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. My audio could be bad for six years until I hire an editor who knows how to do that. That's just how it's going to be because I can't, I can't, 
be asked to understand how that whole ecosystem works. I'm just I'm just terrible at it. Let, let me let me focus on my strengths here, right? Let me focus on my strengths. So DaVinci Resolve, very exciting. I'm trying to get it to a point now where I'm transitioning. If I, if I could do something in Vegas, I'm trying to figure out the DaVinci Resolve equivalent of it. And hopefully, once I figure all that out, I'll get rid of Vegas. I'll wean off of it like it's my cocaine addiction. I'll be like, no, Vegas. I don't need you anymore. I'll wean off of it. And then make a couple of Blue Catch Productions videos. You're probably not even going to notice the difference, honestly. The first video I do with DaVinci Resolve, you're going to be like, wow, that was it. I'll be like, yep, that was it. Because I was only trying to, you know, transfer skills I had in Vegas. But eventually... My process will get faster. You'll start noticing more changes, and then it'll be apparent. But for a while, I'm just trying to to make it a version of Vegas that I understand. And then from there, pick up on some of the new shit along the way. Because it is a big program. It's very intimidating to learn how to edit new things in, in, in a different style that you're not used to. We'll get there, though. I promise. But that's exciting. And then finally, the last exciting thing for 2021, I am now an assistant that's right. I'm now an assistant to my good friend, Zack Snyder. You're like, Aiden, why did you say the word assistant? Just say you, you help him with videos. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because it's an actual job title. That's right. I'm getting paid to help Zack, bro. Ten figures. It's insane. It's not ten figures. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot less than, than ten figures. But it is true. I am now an assistant to Zack helping him with editing and smaller projects. That starts this month. I haven't exactly been given anything to work on yet, but he said it would take a little bit of time. So I'm going to wait that process out, just get work when he hands it to me, make a little bit of money on the side. But it's exciting because this is the first actual paid monetary thing I've I've gotten from, from my skills doing YouTube for four plus years. And now I'm going to be able to, to use it to, to, to not only make money, which is pog, but like I'll sell my friend Zach out, who's also getting so many opportunities. I can't keep track of it. Assistant Aiden is here, bro. Assistant Aiden is here. A lot of people in, in the YouTube space who are like entrepreneurs, self-made startups, have like this, this, these big ambitions, right? Big ambitions to have their own company and their own warehouse, be their own boss, all that sort of shit. And that's cool. If that's your dream, you go for it. I could honestly, and this is just knowing myself, this is just straight up self-awareness, this is just knowing who I am, what makes me happy, I do not mind being the number two to somebody. I really don't. A, I see no major issues because it's at that perfect point where you're not you're not the top, right? So you don't have to deal with all the responsibilities and all that sort of shit. But you're not at the bottom either. So you still help a lot of creative decisions and you're working with somebody who you like, feel creatively fulfilled, enjoying everything. It's the perfect spot to be at. And if my number two, if I'm number two in this scenario and Zach is number one, that's a pretty good place to be at. I could die happy in that situation. I don't need to be the, 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 the guy at the top. I don't need to run no network. Don't need to run no video warehouse. I'll help with creative decisions. I'll push through. Anything you need help on, I'm good because I thrive in a supportive role. I do. That's what I love doing. That's why I I started Lions Honor Gaming. That's why me and Zach started the YouTube podcast. That's why I put so much work 
into collaborative stuff. That's why I do much so much collaborative work because as fun as it is to do my own videos and my own projects, it ultimately is used as a way to enable me to help others. That's what it is. That's what it is. In recent years, I've come to realize that if I really want to help other people and be in that number two role, I have to be at a place where I have helped myself, where I have learned enough, where I have advanced in my own stuff to help enough people. So that's why, you know, I've been spending time learning and, and trying to get better at my own craft. And it's why I continue to do Blue Couch Productions and all that sort of stuff. But if I get to the point where, like, you know, Blue Couch Productions is popping and everything's working out, that'll be cool. That'll be fun and all. It'll be more fun to help other people's shit. Get that off the ground. Help with that. Be a number two. Be a supportive number two role. Kill for that. Love that shit. Thrive off of it. It's who I am. It's the type of shit I want to do. And so this is the first step in that pro in that process. First step. Making money, helping Zach do his thing. You love to see that shit. Brings me back to like the A Non Anchor episode I did about Zach. Not even that long ago. What fucking episode was this shit? Oh my god, I'm scrolling so far back. This uh, The Zach episode was after episode 24. It is 72 now. I talked about wanting to see Zach through and do all these things on September 21st, 2019. And here we are, February 2021. We have both stuck around and I am now at this point. That's so fucking cool. Zach is so cool. You guys are so cool. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Thank you so much for being awesome. I love it. I love the start of 2021. Having a great time. Excited for what's to come. Feels like things are progressing. Feels like things are moving on. We're not just stagnating. I love it. Love that shit. Last thing I want to talk about, because no, not the end of a known acre. I want to get one of these uh, a little longer than usual, if you don't mind. I want to talk briefly about two movies that I've watched, part of the same franchise, the Pirates of the Caribbean films, the first two. Me and Jay are slowly watching all of them, and I have only seen the first two, so I want to give my brief opinions on them. The first one, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, big title, big mouthful, is a fun pirate movie, and that is fine. It's not very serious. The dialogue is kind of cringe. The romantic stuff isn't great. But what this movie does well is it has pirate action scenes and they are fun and they are engaging. And like my good friend Zach, I don't really care a whole lot about like action scenes a whole lot of time. It's very hard to get me invested in just straight up fighting unless the fighting is shot in such a way it is creative, it is engaging me visually, and I like the characters that are participating in said action scenes. And that's what the Pirates of the Caribbean films do so well. You have the premise of Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. And that's already like a lot, right? Johnny Depp is a very weird guy, right? But he fits so naturally as a captain, as a pirate, as a guy who's kind of lackadaisically walking around, but also cunning. But also, like, trying to figure out how to further himself and avoid the British and the East India Trading Company. He meets a character, Will Turner, in this blacksmith shop. You know, they're two big personalities. Jack is running away. Will is just trying to survive on his own. 
He doesn't like pirates that much. So he gets talking. Figuring out a little bit more about each other's backstory. And then it turns into a fight. They grab some swords. They're like, ain't no way they're going to fight in a blacksmith shop. And they start fucking fighting in the blacksmith shop. And it's so cool. Because who would have thought this is actually just a great action set piece. This entire blacksmith shop was not designed for two characters to talk around. It's for fucking Jack and Will to flip onto the top and start fighting each other and like <laughs> enjoy all these cool set pieces, this mule and shit. He's just vibing. And the whole movie's like that. The whole movie's like that. The big main villain, Captain Barbosa, and this crew, who used to be Jack's crew before they had a mutiny, are on the ship called the Black Pearl. Really cool looking pirate ship. And, you know, Jack's crew, they're doing great without them. They're having a great time, and they stumble across some Aztec gold. Like, ooh, money? Aztec money? Grab a little bit of that money, and uh-oh, they're cursed. Now, a more grounded pirate movie, you know. Curses? Eh, I probably wouldn't do that. But if you were going to have a curse, you know, just have it kind of be like a mild little thing, whatever. In this movie, in Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, the curse is, is that they're zombies. And when it's night out, they look like zombies, they walk like zombies, and they can't die. So now they got to try to get all these gold pieces that have been scattered everywhere and return them to this gold spot here, in this little island. Isle de Muerta or some shit, I don't know. But they're trying to return the gold back. There's zombie pirates in this movie, guys. If that isn't good enough for you, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you because they take that concept of stupid zombie pirates. They give like a whole scene dedicated to the reveal of it where like Barbosa is talking to Elizabeth Swan and he's kind of like prodding her along, getting her to like talk about where this gold may be and everything like that. And then he suddenly like sticks his hand out the window and it's like revealed to be a bone and she's freaked out and she runs out of the captain's like little room and suddenly revealed to the whole crew to be zombies and shit. And they look good. Like a 2003 movie. CG on this shit looks great. It's a whole shot of all these zombie pirates walking around. And it's just like, wow. Mr. Bruckheimer knows how to like film some really cool moments and some really cool scenes. Is it a perfect movie? No. It's like two hours. Two hours and 15 minutes for a pirate movie. They could have trimmed some of that shit down. It felt like we were at the climax 30 minutes ago. And they just kept that shit going, unfortunately. Uh, the romance between Elizabeth and Will isn't great. Kind of bleh. Kind of whatever. You're really just watching Jack Sparrow kind of steal the show. Mr. Johnny Depp, he's the star after all. And he does carry the movie. But then you get some of the other characters and like, eh, whatever. But for what this movie does right, it clearly knows its strengths. It clearly knows that it wants to be a fun action movie. And if you are along for that ride, I say go for it. It's a good time. It's a really good time. Is Dead Man's Chest even better? The sequel? Surprisingly... It's also really good. I can't say 100% that it is better, but it's also not bad. Not bad at all. So what's this one about? Right. So Jack defeats Barbosa. He gets his ship back. He gets his crew back and all this sort of shit. But then, you know, start of this movie, Jack's a little skittish. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't feel confident in himself, which is very unlike him. Very unlike him for sure. And that's because, uh, it turns out, man made a deal. With that, the Davy Jones himself, and uh, similar to how, you know, I was talking about, like, these aren't very serious movies. Uh, when I say Davy Jones, I mean Davy Jones. So, like, this is like an octopus man, and his crew is a bunch of sea creatures. 
and the Flying Dutchman, like, travels underwater and then pops back up. Very stupid. I know. It's these kind of movies. Again, they look great. CG on them is fantastic. And so, Jack is trying to, to find Mr. Davy Jones' heart, just like locked away in this little chest, because Davy Jones had a little battle with some lady who didn't like him too much, and he got all sad and emo and in his feelings. So Jack is trying to get this heart. You also have this uh, the East India Trading Company trying to get the heart so they can control Mr. Davy Jones. Pirates are kind of dropping off the map. They were kind of ending this era. The stakes are definitely risen a lot more. And because of that, especially with Davy Jones being a more foreboding villain than Barbosa was, he's not funny, but he's very foreboding. It's a more serious movie, a darker movie. Not so much to the point where we get rid of the fun action set pieces, but it's definitely a bigger focus. And the movie is a little bit longer, and it feels like it uses its length a little bit more. But then for some people that are into the drama, we'll have a scene where Jack and company get captured by natives on an island and Will is setting out to find them. And then we spend 30 minutes of the movie at the beginning of like Jack and company trying to escape from natives who are never seen from again. And it's like, wow, do we really need 30 minutes of that? Some people will argue no. I would argue that these are stupid pirate movies with big set pieces and this is one of the big set pieces. The other one comes at the end where we get like a captain Will and Jack, and they're all fighting over control of this heart because they all come to it at the same point and they fight and the fight kind of like devolves to where there's like the spinning water wheel and they're like fighting on top of the wheel as it is going through the jungle as Davy Jones crew is there as Elizabeth and the <laughs> the Black Pearl crew is also getting the shit and it's a lot to keep track of for sure. It almost has that Phantom Menace vibe where there's like three climaxes all going on. You're like, all right, let me pay attention to them and them and them and them. But it's a really cool set piece. It's a really cool set piece, and it looks great. It looks fantastic. The soundtrack is great. Soundtrack to both these movies are good. Young Kid Aiden had a ball with this soundtrack. Picturing myself being a little pirate, swinging a little sword. It was this movie and the National Treasure movies that I that I had that most adventurous streak that had like the, the movies that Aiden would want to watch over and over again. It was those two because they're both really good. Dead Man's Chest may not be the best. Some people think it's a little worse. Some people think it's a little better. I think they're comparable to each other. I think they both have specific strengths and do things really well. Uh, but depending on which one you prefer, totally cool. I enjoyed both of these movies very much. I'd recommend you watch both of them and then probably stop because there's there's five pirate movies and I've heard the third one isn't all that great and four and five are just miserable. I know they've made five of them. They're working on another, supposedly. Ugh. Ugh. Blech. It's like a sick taste. Got to get it out of my mouth. But I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of them with Jay. And I had a blast watching the first two. If you want my more extended thoughts, you can check out my letterbox. Just, you know, search that shit up. You should find it. There's also a bunch of other movie reviews on there, too, if you want more opinions like this. But I think that'll be it for my thoughts on these movies. And that'll be it for this episode of Aiden on Anchor, episode 73. We've made it toward the end. Hope you had a fun time listening to this. Hope you had a great time. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Episode 75 will be a Q&A episode. So not the next one, but the one after. Episode 74, I'm going to mention, I'm going to want questions. So you better join the Discord and you better be ready for it. Because episode 75 will be Q&A focused. Get hyped for that. If you also want to support me, there's a little support button on Anchor. You can donate to the podcast. Shout out to Jay the Zoomster who does so. And I can receive the finances from that to make the podcast better. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on other podcast 
platforms. Ugh, sorry, I had to burp. If you listen to this on other podcast platforms, be sure to rate it highly so it gets recommended in other places. But most importantly, I just hope you had a great time. Hey, guys, I made Blue Couch Productions, and I will see you for another episode of Aiden on Anchor. Goodbye, everybody.